Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of the Really Refreshing Film Podcast. Uh, this show, we explore the concept of nostalgia goggles. So think back to 1996, and you thought Michael Jordan's Space Jam was like one of the greatest achievements in cinema you'd like ever witnessed. And you watched it like over and over again. Um, but then like VHS tapes kind of went away and you didn't watch it again for ages and ages. And then one day you're a teenager and you see it pop up on cable and, and you watch it and you're horrified because you realize that this movie you love so much is actually really terrible. Um, so that's what we're here to explore um, with the really refreshing podcast. And that's really with a R E E L Y. So movies is what we're talking about here, not fishing. Um, just to clarify, <laughs> if you're here for a fishing podcast, you're in the, the wrong place. Um, so each episode, I'll be joined by a guest host and we'll be watching and deep diving a film that was precious to them in their childhood or their upbringing. Um, and we're here to answer the questions of like, do they still love it? Um, is it any good? Was it ever any good? Um, or were their nostalgia goggles destroyed um, with this podcast? And I'm very thrilled to welcome my very first guest, uh, podcasting extraordinaire from the Nothing to Play podcast and That Pixel Life, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Carter. I know it's your boy. I'm so happy to be on. Uh, I know if you've listened to the Nothing to Play podcast, like episode, I think three is when Tanner brought up that he wanted to start like a new podcast and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'm still working on a name. And we're in 2022, here we are. <laughs> I think on my last podcast from years and years ago, I was talking about I wanted to do this as like a sub segment to that. But then I just fell off. I'm like, oh, one day I'll just make a whole podcast just around that subject matter. Um, and then just like, you know, I got really busy with life and then more excuses. And then I just got never got around to it. But I always enjoyed going on yours or any other podcast I get my hands on. It's like, all right, one day I'll be able to have a life again. And then I'm going to focus on talking about old movies with my friends again. So here we are. Um, and Justin supplied me with an excellent list of movies that he enjoyed either as a kid or as a teenager. And it was an immense struggle uh, picking uh, a, a subject matter for the very first episode because uh, so many of them were really good choices. And uh, we whittled it down quite a bit. And maybe one day in the future, if I can keep the legs going on this show, I can have you back and we can do one of those other ones because... Uh, there was a lot of really good ones, though. But let's get the first one off the ground first. Um, so let's start with a little bit of background. Um, when were you first introduced to this movie? What were your memories of uh, of this movie uh, growing up? So for those of you who know, so the movie in question here is oh, The yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I As figured. you can tell, it's my very first uh, time hosting yes. one of these things in a it's, very long time. Uh, yes, the episode please. title, but, <laughs> you know. We are focusing is. today's episode on the 19, 1996 film 
the craft. Um, yes, cult favorite. Uh, dude, I was very disheartened when I looked up the movie and I saw in Rotten Tomatoes it has like a 55%. I was like, oof. Um, I mean, there's definitely worse movies than that, but yes. Not- um, for those not familiar, uh, just like on a baseline, this is a movie about a girl moves to uh, L.A. or some rich person city in California, and they go to a Catholic school, and she meets three other ladies who are into witchcraft, and she's kind of wiccan herself, just like naturally. And she develops a bond with these ladies, and uh, like chaos ensues with some some magic type stuff. Would you say that's a good log line for the film? I would say, you know, it's your t- your typical go happy go lucky California girl moves moves to the good Christian school and ends up rolling with the brown crowd. Yes. And uh chaos ensues in in a very gothicy way. Um, and in a very 90s way, this movie is oh. 90s as hell. Like from right the, out the gate, from the <laughs> it was... music, from the way they dress <laughs> to like the way it's shot, like everything about it is like 90s as hell. In some way, cases, in a really cool way or in a very time capsule way. So, anyways, yeah, mistakes abound already here in the first five minutes of the pod. But yes, the movie we're talking about is The Craft from. 1996 now let's get into justin's background with this film as i was trying to beeline to earlier um justin um when did you first see the movie what are your memories of it and what did you love about it i had to have been probably like i would say like eight because it came if it came out in 96 we had it on vhs it was like my parents didn't watch a lot of movies but like we had like you know, the typical oak cabinet in the living room that had like the, the double Titanic VHS still in the plastic. <laughs> it always has to still be in the plastic. Nobody ever wanted to watch it once they bought it on VHS. <laughs> and we had like Scream and like some of uh, the mask. I had the Ace Ventura yes. movies. Yes. And um, the craft was I didn't usually like watch a lot of. I mean, I watched kids movies and animated movies and stuff, but I also wasn't one of those kids, at least that I remember, that constantly would rewatch the same movie over and over again, um, like religiously. That's not something that I was ever really into. But The Craft was one as a kid that every once in a while I would go into my like parents' room where they had the VHS player and stuff in the room and kind of lay on the bed or whatever and just watch it. And back then... It's like, you know, I was really into like Charmed, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was on TV and stuff. And these were all shows that's like I would watch with my mom and stuff. So it was like something in that kind of like witchcraft, sci-fi, like kind of genre that I had on VHS that I could watch whenever I want. Because you have to remember back in 1998, we didn't have Netflix. We didn't have YouTube. There wasn't the instant gratification of being able to go somewhere and watch what you wanted. If you wanted to catch something on TV, you had to watch it at the time it aired or had a VHS player to record it for later to watch. So yes. it was something that I could constantly go back to and watch when I was in the mood to watch something like that. Excellent. And then, like, when do you think is the last time you saw this movie prior to uh, doing this podcast? Dude, prior to this, like, I would say probably, like, 
1999 oh okay. maybe so maybe it was to like, like, like it was like a couple years streak of like i really dig this movie and then just like yeah yeah it was one well because then yeah you know other things come along other like then you know we start getting to the once like 2000s you know hit you start getting into like the dvd era of stuff and you know you get into your lime wires and your whatever where then now you're able to start like getting media elsewhere (laughs) (laughs) yes which uh is an art you still practice to this day (laughs) it is that is how i had to watch the craft i was really reliving my youth because i had to torrent the craft because i was not going to pay for showtime plus or fucking whatever it is on hulu in order to watch this movie so um, I was a little disappointed when I downloaded. I was expecting to have a uh, black bars, like it be not um, widescreen or whatever, but it just be like full screen. But it was actually like a legitimate, like full screen, like DVD rip of the movie, so it actually like fit on my TV properly. So I didn't get to relive like that nostalgia through it. Yeah, I actually do have a stars subscription so yeah i do get to see spider-man homecoming like eight times a day on television (laughs) but uh yeah the thing with my cut is they actually had it in in uh hd (laughs) format and it was like some stuff was pretty jarring in hd in particular um i just it bothered me the whole time and then i'll we're about to roll into some light facts anyway so i'll just get into it the main character of this movie is wearing a wig the entire time like and she has a couple different colors of hair in the movie and like at one point when they get really magic-y which oh i'm sorry we're gonna get into full spoilers for this movie that came out uh, like 25 years ago so uh we're gonna go super hardcore the spoiler territory but jumping ahead a little bit um there's a point when they start to do magical things and they glamour themselves and change their hair uh to different colors and her hair is typically like blonde and then she goes dark or is it it's like a brunette because she changes it to blonde in the movie that was one of the first tricks like when she does the change it's like very glaringly obvious a wig the rest of the movie it's not super obvious except the only reason it was obvious to me is because of this like hd copy whenever she had a close-up like when actors have wigs on in movies like the hairline right here you can always see this like thing of glue and like a little bit like of separation there so the uh entire time i was like is she wearing a wig like for just the normal scenes and then i looked up some factoids here after filming no doubt she actually was bald at the time of filming this movie she shaved her head and this is an actress who i was not at all familiar with the movie started i'm like is that alicia silverstone it is not um it was a girl named Robin Tooney. I hope I didn't uh, butcher that really terribly. She's actually, I guess, been in the film industry for quite a long time, and she's actually kept a career despite me never having heard of her or recognized her <laughs> from anything. Like She still works to this day, mostly in television. But the year prior, I guess, she shaved her head for a movie called Empire Records. And so when she came to film this movie, she was completely bald. So in every scene, she's wearing a wig. Dude, that's so crazy. crazy. Like, I had no idea. Like, honestly, I thought for the hair-changing scene and stuff, I thought 
the way it looked to me, it just seemed like they just like upped, I don't know, like the contrast or something like on her hair specifically to make it look blonde, even though it was just brunette and they just kind of like increased the brightness on it and just kind of like tweaked like the hue of it and stuff to make it look a little bit more blonde. And then, you know, cause she has a scene where she kind of shakes her hair and it shakes out. So I thought that's kind of what they did was just like fade into it kind of blonde and then just kind of like, like take it back out i had no idea she was actually wearing wigs the entire time yeah (laughs) it's pretty wild um the movie was had a budget of 15 million dollars which is uh in 1995 a pretty decent mid-sized budget for a movie um and it grossed worldwide 25 million which to today's standards would be like a slight like failure um but i think it's relatively a good uh, return from back in the 90s enough to where they almost apparently made a direct to DVD or direct to video uh, sequel a few years later with the character of Nancy um, which apparently they did not end up going through with um, for various reasons um, movie also stars the infamous Nev Campbell uh, horror queen star of the Scream franchise and um Oh God, I I don't know how to say this. It's like I want to say it's Feruza Bach. Um, I mostly recognize her from The Water Boy uh, with Adam Sandler, um, and she plays Nancy, the really crazy lady in in this movie, and she hams it up real good. She also played Edward Norton's uh, girlfriend in American History X, and uh, just a lot of villainous roles uh, throughout the nineties. Um, and she really played that heel role pretty well. Um, and then uh, some other side characters, not particularly notable, Skeet Ulrich, who was also one of the killers in the original Scream, is in this movie. Yeah, dude, I, I thought that... I honestly didn't... Re- like, like, I used to watch Scream all the time as a kid, too, and it's like, it didn't click... Like, I knew, of course, she was from Scream and stuff, but then, like, re-watching it again when I was sitting there, I was like no shit i was like dude they're both from scream one together i was like that's fucking hilarious spoiler for the latest scream movie but he's also in that film as like the ghost of ned nev campbell's past or something or no yeah. no a newer character i will yeah well we, won't, we don't have to dive into that but he's, uh, he he comes back as a ghost despite having been dead for like 25 years and he looks and he, old as hell <laughs> he looks the exact same as he did in 1996 <laughs> yeah Not that's a... crazy too did these movies come out the same year scream in the craft i think um, so scream maybe... one yeah. came out like around the same time. like so they had to have both come out around because the... i think there was only a year difference yeah, between these... scream one holy and scream cow two. Yeah, Scream and The Craft both came out in 1996, and Scream 2 came out in 97, so she's just on a horror tear here, or like a dark gothic tear here. Interesting that she's like a side character in this movie, too. Um, Yeah, she's a smaller part, uh, not one of the leads, but we'll get into her later, because I think some of the funniest stuff came from (laughs) from her character after (laughs) they become very magical. Yeah. uh, the director is not somebody I've heard of. His name is Andrew Fleming. There's not a whole lot of interesting things that came from this movie in particular, like fun factoids besides like the wig thing, which I definitely was noticing the entire time I watched it. Yeah, this movie is his biggest claim to fame. 
He also made the that movie that kind of crashed and burned Hamlet 2 and a lot of direct-to-video stuff and television. Um, so not a whole lot of crazy fun stuff to get into on the factoids of the movie, but it's pretty warm reception. Uh, not a big critical hit, as you mentioned, There's the Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, but I thought it had potential. Um, just from watching the trailer candidly i did see this movie when i was a kid but i don't really remember it at all i think i only saw it once and i know that my sister was into it because i distinctly remember her and her friends trying out the uh light as a light as a feather stiff as a board (laughs) yeah yeah so that's my one and only memory from this movie and so i was intrigued to check it out once it was on justin's list and uh, I watched the trailer and I'm like, huh, this could go one of many ways. It could be bad. It could be good. It could be somewhere in between. But we'll find out. So let's get into the plot of the movie. Full on spoilers going through the plot. Any things we want to discuss about the movie? I've actually got an iPad full of notes from the movie. Just call outs. So we are going to go from the beginning of the movie to the end and just things that we liked about it. Uh, notable things, call out stuff like that. Um, so as we mentioned in the multiple attempts that I had of giving a log line for this movie at the start of this podcast, um, we start with uh, a character named Sarah who comes to a California city, uh, goes to a Catholic school. Uh, my first note on the movie is it starts with a really dope cover of the Beatles tomorrow never knows. And that was really cool. And it's trippy as hell. Cause the movie really does get like transical <laughs> towards the end. It really crazy. It starts out with this crazy graphic that goes like in and out and it's got like trippy, like acid trip stuff like inside the letters and they're playing like a, like a heavy cover of tomorrow never knows. And I thought that was pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, that was nice one opening of, jump. That was one of the things I wrote down too was the soundtrack because it's like not only in the very beginning is it like dude this is super 90s and like very fitting but even within I think it's like the first 20 minutes of the movie one of the songs is legitimately like the opening theme song to the Charmed TV show the original one. Oh really? The, I don't remember. The, the, like I, I am Earth. They're like I am <laughs> like that song or whatever that plays like I was like oh my god I was I didn't even remember that. I was like, I used to watch Charm then too. I was like, they legitimately have like the Charm theme song in there. I was like, that's pretty great. Yeah. One of my other early notes is like the third needle drop. There's like three needle drop moments in the first like 10 minutes. The third one is uh, the Smiths, uh, How Soon Is Now, which is another song I really love. Uh, so I was like getting hyped in the beginning of the movie. I was like, oh, this is going to have a dope soundtrack. It kind of loses its steam in the middle. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it like, really did. It becomes a very 90s soundtrack in there. And it's just like some like grungy, like forgettable like Pearl Jammy type music, like Cheryl Crow is in there somewhere. It sounded like, um, so there's like highs and lows to the soundtrack for all, but overall I think it's like a, a pretty decent soundtrack, which I think is a good plus point towards the film. Uh, I also wrote down the very first line noted in the movie, <laughs> which comes from they, so they just bought this house and they're walking through it and Sarah's by herself. And she turns around and there's like a fucking homeless man <laughs> inside that just opens the back door to stay there being freaky as all hell. And he's holding a snake in his hands. And this is the very first line of the movie said, I found this out back. Do you want it? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, 
I so I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I've seen this movie like numerous times and stuff. You know, back in the day, I completely forgot about that guy. And so when that part happened, that was the next thing I also wrote down. For I was like, what didn't age well or whatever. I was like, homeless man, because <laughs> I was like, dude, what the fuck is this? And at first, I thought he was like maybe like the groundskeeper to like their new house or something that they bought. And then when the dad runs down and shoes him away, I was like. Dude, that's just some fucking weirdo, like, in your house in, like, Ella. I'm like, well, I guess it is Los Angeles, so the homeless epidemic. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. just walking around picking up fucking snakes. Hey, man, you and he comes back into man. play later, but honestly, once the movie finished, I still was like, so I don't understand what it was that he was trying to do. Yeah, they was- made it. They were, like, semi-set him up like he was going to do something important. It's like, I had a dream about you. And then he just gets hit by a fucking car. And it's like, yeah. okay, well, now let's move on to something else. So I'm I, like, thought, did this I thought something else would come out of that. And he, like, always has a snake, too. And that comes into play, like, towards the end of the movie. But, like, I don't understand what his purpose was like i i it's not clicking with me i still to this moment don't know what he i'm wondering if do. he had like a bigger role at some point and then just like script wise they had to make cuts or something and change it around and they just they make cut this his character a point and he comes up in multiple scenes and he's like hamming it up like crazy but there's no purpose to him and we never see him again and there's never another mention and like i just that was one of the more jarring things to me <laughs> as far as what was left in the movie um brecken meyer is also a side character in this movie um who i mean these days is more so like a voice guy on like robot chicken but he was uh the star of um road trip and uh, he was also in Rat Race, like those late 90s, okay. early 2000s comedies. He I did like, like Rat Race. He is one of the douchey friends uh, with like the long hair. He's friends with Chris, the guy from Scream. Um, yeah. And he is a complete dick. And both of them, like immediately, so Sarah comes to the school and they're both like bullies right out of the gate. But for some reason, she's like in lust with Chris, even after like their very first meeting. Like he's a huge tool, <laughs> just like horrible. Dude. <laughs> and he's like, hey, babe. And she's like, what? And like spits in her mouth. And he's like, come watch me play football. <laughs> and she's like, first, I'm jumping ahead a little bit again. But yeah, her first use of magic is like, I want this guy to be super into me. <laughs> it's like, why are you still after this guy? He's uh, been such a dick to you like the whole time. Oh, God. Because you got to remember back in the 90s, it, it, women were taught that if a guy treats you like shit, it's because they really like you. <laughs> So yeah. she's oh, like, oh, right. dude, he must be in love with me at this These point. These are older tropes, yeah. Oh, I've got a really, uh, there's a big uh, slight of racism right at the start of this movie. And, uh, oh, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about these later. We'll have topic rounds after we get through talking about the movie. But one of our topics is uh, a fine wine and a stale beer. Uh, so, like, what is the thing that has, you know, really stuck throughout time and actually still works today? And what is just aged horrendously um, in the stale beer? So um, we've already got a contender with uh, Justin mentioned with the uh, homeless man uh, and his <laughs> purpose of the plot um, in there. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, questionable things and also things obviously we made today. Anyway, they start their high school uh, section of this movie. Uh, they're in French class and Breckenmeyer, one of his first lines of the movie 
is this is LA. We should be learning Mexican, not French. <laughs> uh, horrible. Which he did like, get panned on in the movie for. So like, yeah, still but it, it's like one of those two where it's like, you know, we went to high school and I, I was definitely in class with people in high school who would genuinely say stupid shit like that. Yeah. So that is very relatable. <laughs> and yeah, no, there are literally retarded people like that in your class who are very racist and <laughs> stupid and can't even like say the word Spanish. <laughs> we meet the girls at their lockers right after this and Nancy uh well at, at first the girls are kind of cruel as well to Sarah. They're not like super nice. They're just she's just kind of like, you know, seeing them from afar. But I've noted this. Nancy has a noose in her locker <laughs> and she has it hanging outside of there. And you it just plays around with it like she's gonna put her head in there. A police officer walks right by her <laughs> and just glares dirty, stares her down like in the hallway and she's got a noose in her locker and nobody gives a shit. It was like, oh, I know, she was like outside the locker, like doing stretches with it. And so she's like <laughs> hanging on to it, like just like working out. I was like, all right, you do you boo. Edgy. Um, I also noted uh, each first instance of a new magic that we see. Our very first uh, encounter with magic is here in this scene where they're in French class. And uh, Sarah is perfectly balancing a pencil on the um the not eraser end <laughs> on the tip and it's just standing point blank up and uh nev campbell's character who is the one character whose name i could never uh capture <laughs> throughout this movie so all my notes just say nev campbell so nev campbell <laughs> uh witnesses this and then she realizes this girl is the fourth member that they need for their like coven or coven. Uh, I did the thing from a American movie. Uh, I, <laughs> um, the coven needs like a fourth member so they can yeah. do each directional path. For so their they can complete the circle and be North, South, East and West. Yes. Um, so then from that point, she's convinced like this girl needs to join the fold and they kind of haze her a bit and see if she's like worthy of the cause. Um, and Sarah's talking about Chris, who's the dick that she's like super into, even though he's like horrible. Um, and then Nancy, uh, they're talking about how many people he's slept with. And, um, Nancy is, says that she's never slept with him. Right. And they spread rumors about her. But then immediately after that, I wrote this down. She says the line, he spreads disease. I know from personal experience. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's like later on, which we'll talk about in the movie too and stuff where she tries to like coerce him yeah. and stuff. She's like talking about, oh, the good times he used to have. So I'm like, exactly. did you actually like, were you lying at the beginning of the movie saying that you didn't do anything yes. with Yes, oh him, my god, or... yes. I'm so happy that that also <laughs> was something of note to you because it's like, wait, what? They have gone back and forth on did they or did they not bone like so many times, but it seems like they very much did. And it also seems like she might have uh, uh, conjured a, a uh, sexual disease of some sort uh, <laughs> from that encounter, but then was down for it later on. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, 
they notice right away that Sarah um, has scars on her wrists from attempted suicide. I wrote this down as well. Um, they take note of it because the slashes are vertical on the veins instead of sideways, which, you know, as you've, my note is that I've heard this in movies for like 30 years and like, it's still a thing to this day that like is a plot point that everyone has to bring up whenever there's writs getting slit in a movie, like, Oh, it's the wrong way or, Oh, it's the right way. It's like, at this point, do people not know what the right way is? I mean, this movie's from 1996. It's still in 2000 and 22 we're still having this as a plot point all the time <laughs> but uh, they're really intrigued by the fact that she tried to kill herself the correct way but obviously was not successful <laughs> yeah what i thought was funny too is you know that was brought up and then like at the towards the end of the movie with the final showdown where they like reopen her scars it's the wrong way they didn't yeah. do the ver- it's a sideways i'm like you, they literally explained to you at the beginning of the movie that the right way is up and down on the wrist and then you do it the wrong way when you're quote unquote trying to kill her at the end of the movie yeah it's it's hella emo vibes like i'm sure like during the early 2000s emo craze like those people were really into this movie i can imagine um i would hope so at least it's really their aesthetic um i was like that go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, I was like, the craft was our generation's 13 reasons why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they need like two more seasons then, right? That nobody will watch. Um, yeah, at this point, they notice that she's actually a natural witch. And the power comes from within is what they're kind of understanding. Uh, there's an illusion that like her mother might have been witchy. Is we uh, she actually has a stepmom in this movie, but they pan to this picture of her mom like eight times throughout the movie. So like the whole time I'm like, okay, they're gonna try and establish some sort of thing of like she was, you know, a witch with like powers and stuff like that. But they didn't really explore that that too much. Um, yeah, they like loosely nod towards that, but they never actually come out there. There's no scene of like. Her mom's spirit, like with her hand on her shoulder, like you got this. Like the best you get is like, uh, like the Harry Potter like pictures. <laughs> like yeah. they do that, like a picture of her comes to life for a sec, and that she like waves. Like uh, that's the best you get, Sarah. This woman you never knew. Another note I put is like this movie has like some of the worst ADR I've ever seen. Did you notice that? Where it's like clearly it's them in a recording booth like redoing their lines like uh and trying to get it to match the screen particularly in moments of action like the adr just sounded so fake to me like like it was not matching at all for me in certain scenes no i didn't i didn't notice that at all okay maybe it might have been my sound system or something i don't know but i mean it also might be true you might just have a better ear ear for it than i do like you know i mean i also like some of the questionable like audio what i just chalked it up to being you know 1996 right exactly um moving on our snake guy is back uh this is the scene where he gets ousted um he gets uh ran over do the girls run him over? No, somebody else runs him over. That's right. And they feel responsible for it. They, they yeah, like, they think they did it. They're like uh, positive 100% that like 
this man standing in the middle of the street, they were responsible for this vehicle hitting them. For some reason, like, I don't understand. I didn't understand what led them to believe that. I know they were trying stuff like that, but they were just convinced right out of the gate. They're like, and this is before they did, like, a bunch of crazy witchcrafty stuff. So, like, I, I don't know. But anyway, he gets killed, never sees, we never see him again. He's never heard of again. He had nothing to do with the plot. Still don't understand what he was trying to warn her about or what his purpose was. Um, but the way it went out is cool because the movie actually does a shot underneath the car <laughs> when he gets run over and the back tires, one of them runs over his head and the other one <laughs> runs over his ankles and you get to see the whole thing for like two seconds. And I thought that was a really, really sick, like quick shot that I, it was so cool. I made a note of it. <laughs> I know I, I did notice that like multiple times kind of throughout the movie there's almost like it seems like hard cuts almost in time where you know like you kind of notice it at the beginning and stuff with um sarah where she's like oh you know when she's kind of like low-key flirting with chris and then all of a sudden it cuts to her and chris like on a rooftop drinking yes and i'm like yes where like where did this like relationship she's like, oh i have to get home you know my parent but it's like 10 at night and she's hanging out with chris and i'm like okay like that's kind of a big leap and then yeah it went from oh you know i made a pencil balance too we just wished death on this homeless dude and now we're <laughs> drinking absinthe in a fucking park on an abandoned couch and we're gonna summon like a fucking demon and i'm like okay like this is escalating very quickly they're like all right we need to get it going along they need powers <laughs> we're gonna do stuff right now i'll i have one later we'll, we'll I'll, I'll talk about it when we get there but there's one like transition that just blew my mind of like how they went from one scene to the next note so nonchalantly um but the very next scene of where we're at in this recap is actually the scene you were just talking about where uh uh sarah is now on the uh roof with chris uh the douchebag and they're drinking and they start macking and this guy was legitimately really fucking horrible to her, like, at the start of this movie. And then she was just, like, got a little spooked by hanging out with the witch girls. She's like, you know what? I'm going to go hang out with this guy. So she does. Um, and he tries to get hot and heavy with her. He's, like, immediately, like, he kisses her. Like, they're just having, a like, a decent night. Like, they're getting to know each other. And they kiss. And then uh, she seems into it. And then he's, like want to go back to my place and fuck? <laughs> it's just like, he jumps to it like right away. And then she's like, no, <laughs> like, like we, I just met you. Like you were really bad to me earlier today. And now we just had a good moment. And you kissed me and you're like, let's go back to my house and fuck. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, no, I'm good. You mad bro. And he's like, no. <laughs> so they go back to school the next day. And Chris has told everyone that they in fact did uh, bone and that she was the worst lay he's ever had and we've established she's had a lot of ladies at, at this point in the film uh, so she which, feels scorned oh go ahead oh no I was just saying which I thought was also weird in the sense that all he got like they made out once for like 10 minutes and then he what immediately burns that bridge by being a cuck and being like yeah, no, we fucked. And then acts like he doesn't want anything to do with her. And it's like, you didn't even get, what'd you get out of this though? You, what, kisses? Like, yeah. <laughs> you just ruined like this entire, your entire chance with her over what, some clout? 
some high school clout. <laughs> and then this is where Nan- oh, because she goes and talks to the witch girls again, and she's like, "All right, now I'll go back to you guys. Then since I, I got spooked by you guys, went to this guy, and he was even worse. So I'll hang out with y'all." Uh, and then Nancy's like, uh, yeah, he did the exact same to me. It's like, what? You said that you know from experience that he like gives diseases earlier. It's just like the back and forth on that side plot is just like incredible. Um, and then Ben Stiller's wife uh, is how I know her, uh, her ex-wife at this point in time. Uh, I don't remember her name. Um Christine something perhaps uh, from Dodgeball and Zoolander she's in this movie and she plays like a racist um, like a uh, diver with Rochelle who's on the swim team one of the members of the, the witch ladies um, and she is horrendous to her like this white girl just bullies the crap out of Rochelle who's the, the, the black witch of the group um, and she just says something horrible horrible stuff um which i won't repeat here on my very first podcast <laughs> but it's uh it was some out of bounds stuff for sure um just being absolutely terrible um nev campbell is getting like procedures on her back because she apparently had gotten horribly burned at some point in her life um, yeah, I think they said as a kid, there was like a house fire or something that she was stuck in and she like hid under the bed or something and got burned on her back. And that's an excruciating scene to watch because she's like in this having this procedure where it's just like they're just like poking like her bubbly scarred back with like needles and like yeah. dripping stuff into it. And they do like really close ups on it. And it just looks so painful. And I really hate as a side note, like in any movie or show, when they like insist on giving you like a really close up of like a needle going into people, like I hate that, especially when it's like heroin or drawing blood or something, and they always get that close up right there inside the vial or on the needle and stuff, and it just like sickens me every time. Oh, yeah, I know, dude. I was like, Requiem for a Dream destroyed me when they showed the dude's arm and it's all infected from the heroin and stuff. Yes. I was like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Cringe. Um, so now the ladies are starting to get a little bit more comfortable with their uh, plans of witchcraft. They uh, drop their blood and wine in a mixture together and start drinking each other's blood um, in their wine. Um, and they each like uh make a claim or a wish that they want to come from this like magical procedure that they're doing together um rochelle uh her wish is that she doesn't want to hate that racist girl um or anyone else uh sarah wants to love herself and be loved Especially from Chris, that douchebag <laughs> who just lied about her. <laughs> She's like, God, he's just playing hard to get right now by saying that, <laughs> telling the entire school that we fucked. Oh yeah, he's he'll he'll come around. Like I want people to love me, but I especially want Chris too. Um, Nev Campbell, whose character I still couldn't figure out at this point in time. Uh, she wants to feel beautiful because of her burns, which you don't really see because she always wears a big jacket. 
But um, she's been going through these procedures trying to get grafts done to fix her back and her arms and stuff. Um, so she wants to feel beautiful. And then Nancy, who lives in a trailer with her mother and her mother's boyfriend, uh, eight miles style. Um, <laughs> uh, she just wants money. Like, that's her only wish <laughs> for magic. So one doesn't want to hate the racist person that bullies them. One wants to feel pretty. One wants to be loved. And one wants money is is the four wishes there. Thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, sounds sounds pretty uh, par for the course. Like, I mean, like, their their motives, I feel like, make sense in that regard like you know nancy you know it was kind of referenced earlier like you know when they go to the magic shop and stuff and the shop owner was like oh you're actually paying unlike your friends so it's like they obviously frequent and steal and stuff which you know nancy may make that you know appear as part of her bad girl image or whatever but it's actually just because she's white trailer trash and doesn't have money and then later in the movie, when she finally does have money, she's like, yeah, here's a 50. Keep the change to it. Like, I got that's money. one part that like I was thinking about is like there's this store in this movie that's ran by like a nice witch lady. Um, and it's just like a witchcraft store. And all they do every time they go there is just steal everything. I already imagine like a store like that. It probably barely makes anybody as it is. And she's well aware that they're stealing all this stuff. And she just lets them do it. It's like, woman, I'm sure you're like on the verge of going out of business. Like, I don't think you get that much clientele. And then she's just like, yeah, whatever. Let these uh, ladies come in and steal shit for me like every other day. It's all just a tax write-off. She's like, I'll just do a couple more palm readings in the back later. Make up for that. So... Per Sarah's wish, Chris is now obsessed with her um, and will be for like the remainder of the film. <laughs> um, he's like really, really into her and wants to confess her love. Um, he starts to just like carry her, but they start to just kind of test it out and use it where they like ask him to carry Sarah's books for her and stuff like that. And he goes and he sits next to her and he's kind of become like a little puppy dog. And Brecken Meyer with the zinger here. Uh, comes in and says, hey, Chris, uh, can you hold my jock for me? It's kind of heavy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, then we get the infamous scene, probably the scene that everybody remembers the most about this movie. Or, I mean, from the, only the notion that this was the only thing I remembered about this movie <laughs> is the uh, light as a feather, stiff as a board scene. Um, which was featured heavily in the trailer back in the 90s. Um, and why don't you uh, explain what they're doing in this scene? Yeah, so I know it kind of, I never got to do it personally, but I know at different sleepovers and stuff like that, it kind of became in the 90s a like party sleepover trope where someone lays on the floor and then there's people usually like, I think four of them or like whatever, kind of like on the sides and you put your fingers under the person and they chant light as a finger, light as a finger, light as a, light as a feather, stiff as a board and raise the person up. And then like, you're supposed to like remove your fingers and then they're sitting there like levitating and stuff. And normally, you know, the trick 
the person thinks they're floating like whatever they're obviously not floating but in this case you know because they're magic uh the lady is actually floating like i don't know like a solid like probably like foot off the floor yeah then they kind of just kind of keep dragging it up and then they're like testing the limits and then rochelle who's the one that they make float like her eyes are closed and listen they just take their hands out and just leave her there until like mom comes crashing in and then sarah reacts like like they just got busted like jerking off or something she like yeah. grabs a bunch of pillows and like runs yeah. over to the door like mom get out of here and mom's like what are you doing in there like, nothing mom scissoring <laughs> leave the towels at the door <laughs> um my next note is apparently witches don't eat the crust of their pizza uh that i was noticing is like all of them just like would throw the crust away and they ate pizza several times in this movie and they never ate the crust man i'll tell you they it's because back then they didn't have hungry howies or anything that has that uh that garlic <laughs> herb crust, crust. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're like these are just empty calories they're like we're not eating this So now we're getting into, so we know that Chris is now in love with Sarah at this point. Now, the rest of the ladies are going to start to get their wishes now, obviously, right? Because they drank the blood and we've already seen this transpire. So now they're expecting it. So um, the next scene is Sarah in the hallway uh, finds that racist girl that's always like hounding on Rochelle and just like snatches a bunch of her hair like in the hallway like so non-smoothly <laughs> just reaches out and grabs it yeah and she like turns around like what the fuck and she's like get some bitch and she's like okay whatever and then like leaves and, and everybody like, okay. and that's the interesting thing is like everybody in the school prior to them even getting these are like are already like those are bitches or witches and uh then later on when they actually are it's like they're stunned that they are. They're like, "Wait, what?" He's like, like, "Chris has this realization." We'll get to it later. That whole scene is ridiculous. We'll we'll, we'll get to. I'll save that one. Um, but yes, so now they steal the hair, and uh, Rochelle like ties uh, a, it around like a picture of her or something, and is like doing this spell. And then, um, and in uh, swim practice, Rochelle starts to see that uh, this racist girl starts to lose all her hair. It just starts falling out like grotesquely. Um, this week, uh, side note: they Warner Brothers released a deleted scene from the Batman uh, starring the Joker, and uh, it's kind of like that, like uh, <laughs> like her hair and the way that her head looks um, is a lot like that. It just is falling out in chunks. It's all yeah, bubbly, it's like very kind of like, chemically burned, and yeah. like that. Always as a kid watching that movie and stuff, that part always kind of grossed me. Like it was, it was like clumps of like hair and stuff coming out like in the shower like in the drain and stuff. I was like Ugh. like no one wants that yeah so uh she's feeling good which her wish was to not hate her and then she puts like a hex on her <laughs> and then it's just like i'm just gonna embarrass the shit out of her and then i'll just will just have nothing but pity for her <laughs> so it's like is she kind of like not letting that spell organically happen because it seems like yeah. she like intentionally did that. She's like, you know what would make me not hate this racist a lot? Ruining her life. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the Nev Campbell we established, she wants to feel pretty. Um, she goes to have a more procedures done at the doctor, 
and they find that her burns are starting to just peel off like like a sunburned skin like and it comes off and she's got a fresh coat of uh, skin on her back and her arms uh, that was really satisfying to watch like it was like almost some like asmr just like taking the little tissue paper and they're uh, just wiping it uh, wiping it down <laughs> her back and it all just comes off i'm like ah yes oh god uh what a visual um and i wanted to ask you this because i swear this is true i didn't look it up but did did her boobs get bigger too (laughs) like from from after this wish i swear every seat after that she comes out and like just her chest is like much bigger uh in my opinion from what i can tell and it might have just been because like earlier in the movie, she was always covered in like big jackets or whatever. But they also, I feel like they either were padding or just having her like stick it out like constantly because it was like a dramatic shift. Um, yeah. Did, did it seem I, that way to you? I'm almost like, I didn't notice it, but now that you say that, I'm not thinking they got bigger, but I'm assuming it has to do with, yeah, the wardrobe. And I think she just kind of like was playing it up more. You know, because, like, once the procedure's done stuff, you know, she's in, like, the little white shirt and stuff coming in, like, you know, chest back arched, kind of, like, chest out, like, hey, boys. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, in the classic case of cinema, like, when somebody is, like, going from allegedly not pretty, which obviously she is, um, to, uh, you know, like, stunner, you know, she's got some lipstick on now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And her hair's uh, to the side, and she's got some extra eye makeup on. But that's really the only change. And she doesn't have, like, burned flesh, which you didn't see anyway. Yeah. And then now all the dudes are like, hey, girl. (laughs) So now it's time to see, did Nancy get her wish? So as we recall, Nancy lives in a trailer park with her mother, who is a basket case, and her mother's boyfriend. Um, she comes home and gets in a fight with them and blows the kitchen up through anger, uh, just through magic, like Harry Potter style. Um, and then kills her mom's boyfriend after he <laughs> looks up her skirt <laughs> and uh, she it, he pushes her mom aside. Nancy gets so frustrated, she like, explodes with anger and so like everything starts blowing up and then did he have like a heart attack or something like how did he yeah he had a heart attack and that's why i'm like i don't know kind of where the line is she definitely caused the explosion in the kitchen but i'm like did she make him have a heart attack or was that kind of just like a side effect of some shit that's like i mean this dude didn't look like he was in the best condition to begin with he looked like typical trailer trash like stained wife beater like beer in one hand you know mom's ass in the other (laughs) (laughs) so he dies and of course they find out through lawyers in the next scene that uh he'd left her mother a lot of money somehow like he did did they explain how he had money Um, he was living he had he he had a it was a life insurance policy through his work or whatever he had like full coverage life insurance so they got the life insurance which i thought was hilarious that it was one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars, and i mean i went ballistic they were like oh my god i won the goddamn lottery like it was like 3.6 million or something like they're like (laughs) jumping up and down and it's like 
Dude, you so can't I'm sure, even... like in 1996, that'd be the equivalent of like probably like 400 grand today or something. And they go and buy like a sky, you know, <laughs> scraper apartment and <laughs> this absurdly ugly couch that her mom is just like in love with. <laughs> it's like, look at this couch. There's nothing else in there. <laughs> I know. I'm like, dude, for 175k, you can't even buy like a rundown shack in Van Buren. And then she got a <laughs> huge jukebox filled with 45 records, and they're all from the artist Connie Francis. <laughs> and then, of course, Nancy and her are now in better clothes as well. But I mean, statistically speaking, they got to have like blown all that money like in the first week, right? <laughs> like I know it's 1995, but still. Like all the, they went ham with that money. <laughs> yeah, you know, and in a couple months, you know, sure they'll be poor again, but they'll be they'll be getting evicted from a not much nicer house now. I do like that they didn't follow the trope of like uh most things when once they that happens, then they stop being like an alcoholic or a uh, piece of shit. And her mom was like, yeah. still just like martini in hand. Like all yeah. the time. like, now I, get to do the this. Other one. now I get to do this the classy way. Um, at this point in the movie, we're starting to get a lot of magic things happening. Cause they're starting to really get their groove and understand more and more spells from these books that they're stealing from the nice witch ladies, uh, probably on the verge of extinction store, <laughs> like probably backed up on that uh, lease because <laughs> she's not getting any paying customers um but this is the point that we discussed earlier uh where sarah begins to glamour herself changing her eye color and her hair color and then that's when her hair is like very blatantly a wig but the whole movie was driving me crazy because i could see the glue from it like on her hairline from just her regular hair her regular hair though in the movie is like a really good wig like you wouldn't think it's a wig from watching it but this scene is like very blatant it's like oh my god she like moves and it's like they just stuck another wig on top of the one that she's already wearing <laughs> and it's just like intensely funny um so yeah then they start experimenting with the concept of like changing their image uh through glamoring when it's a pretty like visually the trick has aged poorly but it's like a cool concept and it'll come into play later on what I think's funny too, now that you brought up that it's a wig, because in that scene when she changes her hair color, they're like, "Oh my god, is it real?" And they're like touching her hair, and they're like, "It's real." And now knowing that her hair was fake hair to begin with, and that it was a wig the entire time, and they're saying it's real when it's clearly a wig, makes that scene even funnier. Yeah, that's the that's the problem with HD, man. They 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 ruin the the movie magic from these older films. Um, the next scene is when things get really crazy. So the the ladies all go to the beach, um, and their intention here is to invoke the spirit, and uh, they each bring an animal to sacrifice. <laughs> um, which was uh, what were the animals? I know there was a bird. There was a, a goldfish or like a, a clownfish, actually. Um, and there's a couple others. I don't remember um, what they were. Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, they bring animals to sacrifice. So they do this like pentagram circle on the beach. And uh, Nancy's getting real crazy in it. And she gets struck by lightning <laughs> in the middle of this ceremony. They all black out. Uh, they wake up the next day 
and Nancy is walking on the ocean water in some really horrendous green screen, uh, which is like, it's a cool idea, but it, like that visually I think would be in the category of the stale beer uh, potential <laughs> nominees because it looks really horrendous. It did not age well. Yeah. And uh, also all the animals from the ocean have uh, washed up ashore dead on the beach. Um, so they've done something scary here. Uh, they also talked about, I, I didn't mention it earlier, but in talking about the witchcraft, like Nancy in particular, basically always talks about Satan and, uh, how like, he's like somebody to worship and somebody to discuss with. And so like at this point in time, they're kind of alluded to the fact that they're playing with fire and they're not supposed to be doing like the spells that they are. Um, so at this point, you see all these animals wash up ashore and they're dead from this uh, invoking the spirit ritual that they just did. And uh, Nancy, in reference to her beloved Satan, says uh, at this point, I can feel him running through my veins. He's still in me. Haunting. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I like how when all the dead animals washed up on see, like no one was phased by that. Like, I was like, was nobody standing there like, man, we might have fucked up. Like, everyone was, like, excited that, like, it works. She's like, these are my offerings for me. Like, I mean, I'm like, dude, you just, like, killed all this stuff. Like, is no one else concerned that, like, we're going down the wrong path here? <laughs> well, uh, well, in actuality, this is, in fact, the point in the movie where Sarah's like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, I'm done. And that's it. That's all it took. Like, they, she wakes up and she's all a part of this thing. She just murdered a little animal for this thing and then sees Nancy walk on water and then all these animals or these sharks and stuff are dead. And then she's like, oh, OK, we've we've gone too far. I'm done because this is the point in time where she decides, "Ooh, uh, I'm not super into this stuff. Maybe I should leave the circle, um, which is a pretty quick turn. And I don't feel like they quite earned that 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 turn and we'll we'll talk about the turns here in a second but i i feel like there wasn't quite enough there for her to considering all the things she's done at this point to just be like oh wow we gotta stop this this has gone too far we killed some sharks um <laughs> so um at this point she kind of tells the girls about her feelings and like how this doesn't seem right and they're all feeling powerful as hell like they're on their high horse nancy's like speeding through red lights they're all in the car together and she's just like loving it she's just like and you as an audience member you expect them to get hit at some point because of how cocky she's being and it doesn't actually happen or it almost happens and she gets somebody else into an accident but then this in this scene sarah goes off and like tells like nev campbell like you're just so into yourself now you're not that cool anymore now that you're like hot even though all, the only thing that's changed on the outside for most people is you wear lipstick now <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah you're like okay wow you're so hot nev um and you're so into yourself and rochelle you're like torturing that poor girl and etc so she starts to invoke her feelings that she doesn't really want to stay in the circle if you will um she goes home and Chris is still infatuated with her 
and he's calling her house constantly. He's going up to her bedroom window <laughs> and just trying to get her to go on a date with him or even just hang out with him if she won't be romantically involved. She agrees to do so, and uh, what happens is he pulls over to the side of the road and uh, tries to come on to her. She doesn't like it. She gets out of the car. Then he rushes over, and in a terrifying scene, he legitimately starts to rape her on a dirt hill on the side of the road. Um, it, it's a very haunting scene. Um, he That goes on for about 10 seconds. Um, and then she breaks away, gets him off of her, starts to run away. And she's running through this forest. Right, I established that we're like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. She's running through this forest. Chris is chasing her. Cut to Nancy cops, comes out of the trees and she's at Rochelle's house <laughs> in the front door. <laughs> like, that's the transition. Like, she's running into the woods. He's literally chasing her. And then it's like, cut. And then she exits trees and she walks up to Nancy's front door, or Rochelle's front door, and, and just knocks on the door. And Chris is nowhere. He's not chasing her anymore. Like, that yeah. was, like, the most jarring, dumb cut, like, in the whole movie for me. Yeah, I also, crazy. I also noticed that, and I'm like, I'm like, where did he go? Like, he didn't run back to the car, and he just kind of happened to be, like, what, three minutes away from this person's house through the woods? It reminded me of like quick spoiler for Spider-Man No Way Home, but uh, the introduction of the Green Goblin on the freeway, uh, like he's attacking all these uh, people and Spidey just fought Doc Ock and then Strange just like pulls them all back to the to the like the place where they're hanging out with but it's like green goblin's still back on the freeway like throwing pumpkin bombs and blowing people up and you're just like hey peter get back here we got things to talk about we'll worry about that later so she's like getting chased down by chris who was literally raping her just now and then it's just like oh i'm at rochelle's house now i'm just gonna go up to the front door and we'll talk about it (laughs) dude and then even after all of that like Chris is still like she's still like you know Chris he, he you know he was like possessed it wasn't even him in his eyes like he was just crazy like and she still had I'm like dude motherfucker tried to sexually assault you on the side of the road and you're still like whoa is Chris yeah she's like, super into this guy here. like anything um so then Nancy's like oh he tried to rape you. Like, even though you're, like, trying to leave my gang, like, that's my girl, dog. Like, and so Nancy's like, okay, I'm going to go take care of this. Um, so Nancy glamours her... Oh, I almost missed a, a, a important uh, one-liner that was thrown. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry, no, I, we'll get there in a second. So Nancy glamours herself to look like Sarah and goes to this house party that's going on. She's like, all right, I'm going to go fuck with Chris. And then she goes there and she looks like Sarah. And of course she like comes on to him and he's like, yes, 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 yes. Sarah, finally my time takes him upstairs. And this is a scene we were talking about earlier um, where uh, she's trying to get him to bone her as Sarah uh, at this time. And he doesn't realize that it's Nancy. Um, But then like her prank is like she in the middle of it, like, you know, de glamors herself and it's Nancy and he's like, oh, I don't want you. I'm in love with Sarah. And then so then she's like kind of taunting him. 
about like uh how he needs to like you know give it to her and like put it in and chris hits her with this zinger uh if i could make my dick big enough (laughs) 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 which is implying that uh she's a a lucy lady uh much like chris is um and has gotten around so that was a pretty 90s-esque zinger um (laughs) which is pretty cold-blooded so sarah breaks in uh she finds out what's going on breaks in he realizes that Oh, this is where he makes the realization. He's just like, after he just saw Nancy like change her face and uh, glamour herself, he's like, wait, you're a witch. <laughs> it's like, bro, since the opening scene of the movie, you've been telling everyone that these girls are witches. And then he like, is just stunned at this concept. Like at this He's point. like, the rumors were true? <laughs> there was also a scene earlier where Sarah was like, why do you think you like me, Chris? <laughs> it's because it's a spell. And so he's still not accepting that this happens. Um, and then Nancy goes batshit crazy here and starts to levitate on the ground. Uh, once again, alluding to the fact that they did have sex together at one point in time, even though multiple times throughout the movie, she's gone back and forth on if they did or did not. And it seems like she did, and she actually was into Chris herself. So then she starts to levitate. It's a really spooky, like, visual. It looks cool. And she's like, this is the point where that actress just goes ham. She's like, I'm going to ham it up like the rest of this movie. I'm just going to be crazy, like, Nicolas Cage style. And she, like, (laughs) backs him up and, like, throws him out the window with, like, power. And he crushes, or, you know, he's dead. (laughs) He falls to his death. (laughs) Dude, as a kid, that scene where she starts losing it and shaking her head, like back and forth like a crazy like rabbit that used to scare the shit out of me as a kid like watching it now like that was honestly probably like one of my favorite scenes like in the entire movie of like her just her feet like the tips of her toes like dragging across the ground and stuff as she's like levitating yeah and then her just losing it and i completely forgot that um that chris died like i didn't remember that at all <laughs> and then when they launched out the wall, i was like oh i'm like he's dead <laughs> like that happened i'm like i did not remember that at all yeah so that was loco and then sarah decides i gotta put an end to this i've already expressed my thoughts on how the group's been going so she decides she doesn't want to do witchcraft anymore but before she leaves she's gonna cast a binding spell on nancy um so she starts to put a spell on nancy in secret um saying that she cannot harm other people or herself. And this is after she has already, excuse me, already killed Chris. So she does this binding spell and then she kind of gives everything up. She goes back to dressing preppy. She's not dressing in the black, like cool witch clothes that the her other friends are wearing. So she just goes back to wearing the Catholic school clothes, goes back to school, the girls notice it immediately. <laughs> like, there's no, like, ambiguity. They just, like, at this point in time, they do an immense heel turn on her. <laughs> like, we saw her, the turn of her earlier where she's like, I don't think I can do this stuff anymore. This one, I think, is an even more jarring heel turn because they're just, like, immediately, like, we know what you're doing. <laughs> like, did you put a spell on Nancy? Uh, you want to leave the circle. Well, guess what? You're going to fucking die if you leave the circle. 
Dude, yeah, that was a pretty big twist, especially um, uh, the chick from Scream's character and stuff. At the beginning of the movie, she's like, you know, oh, we need a fourth, we need a fourth, and now all of a sudden she's like, yeah, who needs a fourth? Like, we're fine without you. <laughs> we'll do a triangle instead of a circle. Yeah, they're like, yeah, it's only because of you that we were able to get all these cool powers, and now I'm hot, and I went to Sephora, and I got lipstick, <laughs> but, you know... She's My like, you, may or may not be bigger. <laughs> yeah, went up a cup size, but you know, now you can fuck off. Yeah. Uh, so that's intense. And then Sarah's at home, and they start. She starts to see them in her dreams, like they're, and it feels really real. Uh, and it's like they're like Freddy Krueger style, like haunting her while she's sleeping, which is pretty freaky. Um, and then. Uh, Sarah doesn't know what to do, so she goes to the nice uh, witch shop owner lady. <laughs> she's like, oh, man, my friends have really gone crazy with this black magic. And uh, she's like, it's okay. And they have like a really weird, like, minute-long hug where they're like <laughs> really embracing each other, like a mother and a daughter. And then, like, the worst fake explosion in cinematic history ensues. <laughs> Which is just like a a flash on the screen, and it's just like the most atrocious fake fire that just goes across the screen for like two seconds, and you don't see anything blowing up in the background. It's just like a transition with fire in it, and it looks so bad. And then she's just like, oh, like they didn't want to use the budget to blow the actual store up. So they tried to, in 1996, use like a cheap shot like that. It does not work. (laughs) And uh, and that whole scene was useless because she didn't get anything out of that except for some candles, right? Um, But she got what she needed, which was to know that she's a good witch. She tells her she needs to incite the spirit again, but through the light. Um. So then Nancy, or Sarah goes home, gets a call on the phone, and it's Nancy. She tells her, check the television, Sarah. And she does, and the she tells her that the, she's forced her parents to go on a plane to San Francisco. And then on the news, she sees that, that plane <laughs> like crashed and blew up and everybody's dead. So she's saying that they're responsible for killing her parents now, which she didn't even know were gone. And it was like a, a stretch as it was. I didn't buy this at the, when it started. And you learn later, it is a fake out. It's just a glamour, um, which it didn't sell me at the time. I'm like, this is a, but that was just me being overly critical of the plan. I'm like, wait, how did you get them to just decide loosey goosey to fly to San Francisco today? And you gave like the flight number and the time and you wrote it down and <laughs> all that. It was a bit of a stretch for me. Uh, but the point is, she she fakes out Sarah into thinking that they've killed uh, her parents, and then all three of them are there, like levitating and like uh, just creeping her out, cornering her. And then creatures start to come out from everywhere, and it's like every disgusting like little creature you could think of that people are terrified of are coming out like every crevice in this household. So snakes and scorpions, tarantulas roaches like are coming out at like every surface and it's a it's spooky oogie boogie style if you will for the ladies as well yeah that's one of the other things that i think didn't really 
the C the CGI with like the insects and like whatever didn't really age that well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then it's a really spooky scene, really creepy. Uh, Nancy just pops out of nowhere. Like Sarah has now found her way in a bathtub and uh, Nancy shows up still hamming it up, going full heel, uh, snaps her fingers and it's the illusion goes away. Like the house isn't covered in creepy creatures. Um, and then she just like, which I thought was a great move, just like a little subtle, like character moment. She just turns the shower on <laughs> and runs away. It just like splashes Sarah with the water, which is totally something that I would do if I was like a, you know, ridiculous like movie villain. I just love that. I just like splash him with some water too, just to add insult to injury while all this is going on. I like, thought that that'll was a show you. Movie. Um, so then she comes downstairs. The three girls all corner her. They have a confession letter that they pre-wrote in Sarah's handwriting through magic. And the letter simply says, I killed Chris. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> like, I really wanted to take some thought into this before I kill myself. Um, yeah. And then Nancy slits Sarah's wrist, but notably the wrong way. <laughs> and not the right way, even though, as we discussed earlier, they were really enthralled by the fact that she did it the correct way. And then Nancy goes and does it the wrong way. Um, Sarah lays down uh, somehow. I think at this point I was kind of, I don't know how she got away from them. But then out of, all of a sudden in the next scene, she was laying down and casting her own spells on these ladies. Um uh, she, so she lays down, she's invoking the power of the spirit. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, Rochelle and Nev Campbell are walking past like a mirror and they see, uh, well, Nev Campbell's burns her back, but not only are they back, but they're like what we haven't seen before. And like her whole face is now burned. And then Rochelle, who I didn't think had any like hair issues or anything. I know that the racist girl made a comment about, uh, her hair at one point but they this all of a sudden now as this retribution now Rochelle is seeing herself as like bald like the racist girl so I didn't really see I thought that was a stretch too I didn't understand the connection between like the hair and her besides like the racist comment or whatever I, I don't yeah I don't know. um the only thing I understood was the fact that they said that like it was coming back onto them threefold so I think like the burns came back threefold or whatever. And I think oh, whatever she yeah. did to the blonde girl, it was coming back to her threefold. So she was getting the bald, whatever. So I think I it was just as so much she had issues with her hair as it was. That's what she did to the other girl. So now it was flipping back on her. So this is the point where we talked about earlier where Harry Potter style, uh, the picture of Sarah's mother is now moving and waving <laughs> yeah. to her. Um, Sarah is now a witch again. Her wrists heal themselves magically. And then Nancy's looking for her. And lo and behold, Sarah's inside a mirror right behind her. And it freaks her out, like, beyond belief. And she walks out. And then uh, Nancy's hands become snakes. And, <laughs> and everything about her starts to transform into these weird, creepy, disgusting creatures, like Oogie Boogie style. And that was a cool slash crazy visual. 
Um, the girls show up and apologize. Later on, this is after they they uh, survive the night, right? Oh, I skipped over something. Um, so Sarah puts a binding spell on Nancy, and then Nancy, like, speed jumps out the window. Um, and then, or no, she, like, bolts her up against this wall and starts, like, trying to punch Sarah, like, but it's just hitting air. And it just, like, looks funny because, it like, in the way they filmed it, it doesn't really look like she's trying at all. Like, she's just, like, like she's doing, yeah, it doesn't look like she's doing anything. She's just, like, like, she's just, like, going, like, ah, like, punching, like, above, the the air above her head, like, really crazy. But it doesn't look like there's any sort of barrier or, like, spellbound thing that's, like, keeping her from making contact. So, like, I understand it's a hard thing to try and visualize, but I don't think they did a particularly great job. Uh, of doing that but then uh sarah gets out of the way and then a dresser comes from all this like heat and like flattens uh sarah and it's just like her clothes there afterwards (laughs) (laughs) like wizard of Oz style but uh i lost my i guess i don't have any notes after that besides like the the rebuttal um but i don't understand how that scene ended after she got crushed by the dresser um so after she got crushed by the dresser she like phased back into existence back into her clothes and then like double rabbit kicked um (laughs) fucking nancy like back 50 feet into a mirror that shattered and then she's just laying there, and then it does this like fade out transition to now. I guess uh, Sarah and her family are like moving again or something. Yeah. Like I have no idea. And the other girls are like, "Yeah, you know, a real re- come by," and they're like, "Hey, you know, Sarah, uh, sorry about that. You know, it's been a while. Yeah, that was real crazy. You know, with all the shit with Nancy and trying to murder you, and she was really out of control. And we just kind of like, ran you can with see, it. Your dad's still alive. Yeah, your parents." <laughs> they're like your parents didn't really die in a plane crash so uh they're like, we're all cool man right like we don't have powers anymore like you know you don't have powers anymore right and she's like and then she conjures up a storm and then it like lightning strikes this giant branch and it like almost hits the two of them she's like better watch out she's like you don't want to end up like nancy and then it shows <laughs> nancy in the hospital or whatever and she's like got cuts on her face i'm assuming from the broken mirror and stuff and she's like i can fly and i'm like a god and uh, i can do whatever and they're like yeah 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 sure sure is they're like injecting her with whatever to make her like go to sleep and she's like I, I'm, a, I'm a wizard harry and then it like ends <laughs> and that's finn that is the movie we just recap the whole thing for you so if you haven't seen it um you don't have to now that's the entire plot the best lines the best kneel drops uh that is the movie so now after having revisited um this movie after so long uh i guess the first question would be is how do you like it now (laughs) what were your feelings what was what's your instant reaction i definitely thought it was still very watchable um would i continue to like like i did as a kid religiously watch it i don't think so but in terms of like 
aging well. Like, some stuff aged well than others. It's one of those movies where it's, like, shot for shot, there's no way in hell this movie would ever get, like, made today exactly like that with, like, a lot of the different, like, racial things that they did and the the multiple the sexual the, assaults yeah uh yeah the <laughs> attempted rape and then the actual rape like of chris and stuff like i'm like yeah in, in 2022 you know there's been a lot of a push against that kind of stuff um but all in all i thought you know i actually remembered quite a bit more of the movie than i thought i did like most of the key sequences and stuff like i actually still remembered like there was those little details here and there like chris dying and the homeless guy and stuff that i purged from my memory but for the most part i feel like i actually remembered the movie pretty well that's good what I'm about glad that you still enjoy it um yeah was this your first time watching the craft well, I've you said you watched it, it once, before, but it's kid. like it's basically like me seeing it for the first time. And so going into it, I, I mean, with the selections of what I'm trying to do on this podcast, is I'm trying to see things that could kind of verge on either way, uh, and it could either be like a pleasant surprise or it could be like, holy cow, wow, this is terrible. Um, and I don't think it ended up being either of those things. Um, going into it i i thought it had promise i'm like oh some of these concepts look cool these visuals like i'm sure a lot of the effects have aged poorly but i think overall it's an interesting concept so i want to check it out and i think for the most part it's really not a bad movie like i think a lot of it's aged pretty well it's very 90s as we've talked about but that's a time capsule thing you know it doesn't make the quality of it bad just because things are way different now than they were back then um, and in fact, it's got that nostalgia factor to it. So even though this isn't a movie that I have nostalgia for watching it for the first time now, it brings me to that nostalgia for other things like actors of those times or the way that people dressed or people's haircuts or, or the way that people talked and stuff like that. Um, so but overall, yeah, I mean, honestly, I like the movie more than I expected to. I was like borderline thinking that it was going to be atrociously bad and there are some really bad things in here particularly <laughs> like the dialogue or the story choices or the visuals but i think i thought you know this would be a really good movie if they made it today um with today's standards is is what i kind of get out of that um so i was pleasantly surprised and i liked it more than i expected that i would not saying it's a great movie i don't think <laughs> i'll ever watch it again but, uh, you know, if it's on cable, uh, you know, five years from now and uh, you, cable cable's not going to exist five years from now, <laughs> but, uh, but say somehow organically it's playing on something like, yeah, it'd be fine to sit there and watch like 20 minutes of it or whatever. So you think like in the future, like probably not anytime soon, but one day you'll probably watch this again. Yeah, I could I could definitely see me watching it again. Like, I don't think it wasn't one of those one and done for me where it's like yeah i've seen it once um i never need to watch it again type of movies and because i think i do still hold that even after watching it again now i do still kind of hold that uh like sentimental value towards it because it was something that i enjoyed a lot as a kid yeah exactly um 
So let's start out with the, or let's get into these categories here. Let's start with best performance. Who do you think had the best performance in the? I mean, that had to be Nancy. It's for Nancy, sure, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> like Nancy, like she goes, movie. she takes it really far, but like you know, she really slays that character and like puts the right level of creepiness, and like she's just got such a striking face for that particular character. Um, like she just nails that goth, like scary. Like, oh, my God, this woman could, like, rip my throat out at, like, any point type feeling. Um, so I think she was definitely the clear best person. Um, going uh, very cagey at the end there, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, I think it really brought home the level of it. So, yeah, it's not even a question. Like, Nancy, no doubt, hands down, best performance of the film. Worst one, perhaps, being The Homeless Man. Or, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess hey, girls, you want the snake? <laughs> yeah, I just found this. Do you want it? <laughs> First line of the movie. <laughs> um, the next one I have is uh, favorite spell from the movie. What would you say is your favorite spell that we witnessed uh, throughout the entirety of the craft? Um, like my favorite. Probably has to be, and I know it was the one that also like impressed me the most as a kid was the when Nancy changes into Sarah, just the effect of the hands over the face and the woof where you got like a taste of it when it was like the hair and stuff, but I thought it was a lot cooler. Like once it's like the actual entire face and like everything, I was like, whoa, like it, that's, that's it definitely so cool. looked a lot better when Nancy did it than when Sarah did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I I was always really impressed by that scene at the time. And even still, like, I thought that scene, like, CGI, like, whatever, like, I think that's one of the better, like, that aged well, like, scenes. Like, it doesn't look nearly, like, as bad to me in comparison as, like, I said, like, when um Nancy's, like, fingers grow all long with, like, the roaches and shit in her mouth and, like, whatever. Like, a lot of that CGI came out pretty rough. Um, but I thought the face changing scene aged very well. Yeah. What about for you? I'm trying to think if there was any spell I thought was cooler than that one. I think that was definitely the most useful spell too. Because a lot of these were just kind of cosmetical stuff. I mean, obviously that's a cosmetic spell, but, um, um, looking through my notes, is there any, other ones no that's got to be the coolest one that are like you know walking on the ocean and killing all the animals within it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah or light as a feather yeah i mean that's nifty but it, like it's not useful yeah it's like, not, it, or it's not really that impressive yeah yeah and it took a lot of effort to to get her to to uh, you know levitate over the floor a few feet um <laughs> So yeah, I think the the glamour shape shifting changes were the coolest. I also liked, you know, when they became like basically full on witches and they're just constantly like creepily levitating. Um, I yeah, thought that was cool. Um, let's go to the fine wine and stale beers categories. Um, so let's start with fine wine. Um, what are our uh, nominees? I guess for what's uh, held together and aged the best over this. 25 year span so i would still say like i definitely 
even though I know it came out hard in the beginning and then kind of withered away toward it, I still say the soundtrack, I think, aged yeah. well for the time period and like when it takes place and stuff. Like, I was thoroughly surprised with how much of me. I was like, this song's in this? I was like, oh man, this is pretty funny. Yeah, it slaps pretty hard. And I think, I want to say like last year, some recent years, or maybe it's this year, I don't know. Like record store day every year, they do like exclusives, and I'm pretty sure they did a, a pressing of the craft soundtrack in recent years, uh, an unlimited run. Um, so it's definitely got fans out there. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any better choice than the soundtrack. Um, I think the aesthetic is cool, like uh, the concept of classic witchcraft and like that goth like look and approach to like a high school movie i think is a good is a good fine taste to it but so much of it is held up in like you know misogyny and racism and stuff which is things that i do think they would explore but different ways in today's day and age um but i think the fine wine of this is definitely and the the repeatability of it is definitely the soundtrack so i'll agree with you that that's our fine wine choice um and the stale beer of the craft um one mention you mentioned the uh the homeless man um there's like the multiple steps of racism but i would you know are you are actually valid to the plot um so i i don't think that's a winner there um, I, I don't think that the plot points have aged particularly well, just because they jump around <laughs> and some of those scenes that we've mentioned or, or like the, uh, the constant battle between did Nancy bone Chris or not, <laughs> which is still something that we never found out for sure. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think some of the, the choices of like pacing and like cutting between different scenes, and stuff like that where it's like oh now they're here and then oh now we're just all of a sudden here and this relationship all of a sudden seems very well developed even though you know you've barely seen them interact for all of like two minutes on screen and i would still say though even despite that worse is i would still say the homeless guy with the snakes worse because that was like a thread that you're like okay let's see where this goes and then it actually just never goes anywhere yeah I think the obvious choice would be like the CGI or particularly in like the ocean scene, but they would look cool if it was, you know, if they had a nice budget, you know, and it was done today. So yeah, I think the editing slash writing is probably aged the worst in that it's just very jarring and it actually leaves huge plot holes <laughs> like throughout the film with the choices that they've made. Um, favorite scene of the film what's the money maker so my favorite scene for me still is um uh chris's murder scene <laughs> is the like i said just like her like the snapping point of nancy just like losing it um just like does it for me like i feel like that to me is almost like the climax of like no return like oh this bitch is crazy like crazy crazy like i'm gonna launch this dude out of like this two story home into the fucking street and die crazy. <laughs> yes. Um that's that's in my picks too. Um I the 
of course people are gonna most people would say like the light is a feather scene um i like the scene where all three of them are levitating at the end and just like mm-hmm. come at her all crazy uh, even though the effects have aged poorly i really like nancy's departure at the end where her hair becomes snakes and she's all like kind of like beetle juicy like that's really creepy and crazy looking but i think i'll once again agree with you and say that the best scene is chris's death <laughs> just seeing yeah. him just incomplete now first he's just like after witnessing magic multiple times he's like wait a minute you guys are witches <laughs> and then <laughs> but then he's still in love with sarah unaccepting of the what's actually going on and then he just gets like catapulted out of a window <laughs> But I would agree with you. A solid second for me would be like the final confrontation scene between um, Nancy and Sarah. Yeah. So uh, now we come to my favorite uh, category, the last one of this episode. But before we get into it, I wanted to point out uh, the category is we're going to talk about if this movie were made today, like who would we cast? uh, Like what's that movie going to look like? Um, Which will be a lot of fun. But I wanted to point out that there actually is a movie from The Craft that came out two years ago um, called The Craft, The Circle. And it is not it is like a soft reboot slash sequel to this movie. And it came out in 2020 during the worst time in cinematic history for theaters. It was a complete financial disaster and nobody's seen it. Uh, and it, but it was actually produced by Blumhouse, who's like owned horror for the last like ten years in the industry. But they released it in during the height of the pandemic, and not a single person saw it. <laughs> Have you seen the Craft Legacy? Funny enough, I have it. I've had it downloaded forever. I have not watched it. But when I was looking up information about um, this one. And I looked up the new one. Um, I didn't realize that apparently both uh, um, the woman who plays Nancy and I want to say the woman, who, the not the woman, the guy who plays Chris are both in the new movie. Um, definitely yes to Nancy, which is funny because I mentioned earlier that they were trying to make a direct-to-video sequel back in like 1999 starring Nancy. She would have been getting out of the uh, psych ward and like they'll be continuing adventures there. I actually watched the trailer for this movie and it seems like the only connection with the first one is that somehow Nancy is involved. Um, and they see like Nancy from back in the day and it actually does like the weird like picture effect thing with her when she was young. Um, but of course, like this is a movie that was made like a very long time after the first one. So it's like, is, is she only in the those like little snippets and they're using footage of her or is like the actress actually in the movie? Uh, I don't know. She's listed on IMDb. So I, I that but that could mean they're just using legacy footage or she's actually playing new scenes in the movie. I'm assuming the latter. Um, but I don't know because this movie has like zero fanfare. Like, I don't know anything <sighs> about it. Uh, uh, it looks very much like the same movie. Like they just kind of redid the same plot line, like force awakens style. Uh, I did notice when I watched the trailer, I was like, Oh man, I would assume Justin has seen this a because the craft and B it's got his boy, David Duchovny. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like now after, see, after watching this one again, now I'm like a lot more tempted to watch 
the new one now and i'll have to tell you um once i watch it and stuff what like nancy's role is in it (laughs) yeah well since nobody saw it which is crazy too yeah because blumhouse just like killing it on horror especially low budget horror that of course was i wonder if it would have done better if it didn't come out at like the worst possible time to release a movie in theaters like as we know it um but anyways that's okay i don't think i'll ever watch the craft legacy um <laughs> let's make our own reboot slash remake of the craft so justin actually came prepared to the podcast with selections here i am kind of going to go off the cuff but i'm going to wait and see what he thought of here and then we'll kind of dive into that all right, yes. I'm very excited for you to hear my list that I made for if I were to make a reboot of The Craft in 2022, who I think would be good picks for these characters. And to preface this, I am probably going to butcher the names. I'm terrible with names. Um, but I also kind of wrote down what they're from to hopefully help give Tanner a better idea of who I'm talking about because I don't want to butcher it. But for so for Sarah, um, I picked... What's her name? Tiesa Famming from the chick from American Horror Story in Coven. Uh, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, is it like Tysa Farmiga or? Yeah, 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 yeah. So okay. I picked her. I picked her to play Sarah. Um, for for Nancy, I picked uh, Mickey Madison from Scream Five from the newest Scream. Uh, spoilers if you haven't seen Scream. She's the killer in Scream Five. Oh, okay. The the crazy chick or whatever at the end, like so younger because she kind of has the black hair. I pictured her that she could kind of do the like, you know. And I figured that'd be kind of funny if that was her, since you know she's from Scream, and since two of the original cast members in the original craft were also from Scream if it would be funny if uh, she was in it as well to kind of like do that throwback. Yeah, I see to what you're doing keeping here. It yeah, in, yeah keep to it, kind of keep, keep it, it in the fan. Yeah, which running with that too for Bonnie, I also picked uh, Emma Roberts, who was from Scream 4, who was... Is Bonnie uh, Nev Campbell's character? Because I never caught it. <laughs> yes, yes, oh, Bonnie okay. is Nev Campbell's character. Um, but yeah, so I picked her from Scream 4, which I thought was funny because she in Scream 4 is the chick who played Bonnie's um, cousin or whatever. Like they're related in Scream 4. So that's why I thought it'd be funny. She's playing Bonnie, who the original character. So I thought that would be like a kind of funny like throwback to that. And then, of course, for Raquel, there was no one else I could think of besides Zendaya yes oh my god yes that's so funny Jake. i that's who i thought of too i wasn't gonna put her as rochelle just because she's like the most famous like young person so i probably would have yeah. made her like either sarah or nancy man i'm looking it up and your suggestion of uh like mickey madison yes that that woman is scary all i can ever think about with her is uh once upon a time in hollywood have you seen the i haven't i haven't seen that one oh yet. well i can't go into to details there but uh she is in that movie and she put she hams it up like real big uh in a in a very memorable scene with leo and brad um 
much akin to her performance in Scream at the end <laughs> there. So I think she would be a good Nancy. Is that who you had her cast as? Um, uh, yes. Yeah, 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 she would be a great Nancy. Nancy. That's a stellar casting. Uh, Zendaya, I feel like, is also perfect, but I feel like she's too famous to play one of the side characters. Uh, I feel like she'd have to be Sarah. Um, Which I could see. I, I would, I would be willing to do that. Um, And then also, real quick, I was like, so I did pick the four girls, but I also picked who I thought would play Chris. Yes, please. And so, even though I haven't watched. The, the main, I guess, his claim to fame or whatever. I thought you would appreciate it because I know you've seen it. But I picked uh, KJ Appa from Riverdale, who plays Archie. <laughs> I have not seen Riverdale, but I do know who that oh. is. <laughs> okay. but Well, I know you dressed up as Riverdale for Halloween, so I assumed the one well, year. I was forced to do that uh, <laughs> in a group uh, outing with my wife and uh uh, some of our friends, they were all dressed up as Riverdale characters and they it forced me to play Jughead, which my only uh, relationship to those characters is the Archie comics, which I <laughs> read a little bit when I was a kid. So I think of Jughead as like stuffing hamburgers in his mouth with a ridiculous crown on his head. But yes, there was one Halloween TLDR uh, where I was dressed up as uh, Jughead from Riverdale, but I have never seen the show in my life. But so yeah but so i picked kj appa who plays archie from riverdale i could see which which i picked him as well because you know who else is in riverdale the original guy who played chris is in riverdale that's right So the fact that they share that (laughs) i was like that is hilarious so i was like that's a perfect fit because that's also a throwback to scream again the fact that they share these shows together and stuff so here oh man uh I thought I had some other ideas here too. Um, I think I think we're in a, we're at a lock here for Mickey Madison as Nancy. Uh, I think we closed on Zendaya being Sarah. Um, your other two picks, um, the Farmiga and um, uh, Emma Roberts. I feel like mm-hmm. they're probably in their thirties now. I feel like they're yeah, probably, they are kind of they're they probably are too older. old. Um, so I'd probably lean a little bit younger for the castings there. I sincerely doubt you've seen it, but uh, the Oscars are this weekend, so it's on my mind. Uh, there's a movie that came out that people are loving. It's called Coda on Apple Plus. Have you seen or know anything about Coda? Mm-mm. It's like up for best picture. It's like in it's like up in the top two movies that are like up for best picture out of the 10 like those are the two favorites it's a movie about a a girl who all her family is deaf and she is a really good singer but her parents and her brother are all deaf and they've never been able to hear things so they don't even understand what music is um and and she's really into to singing she's like actually a really really good singer and um she's their interpreter but she's also like a girl in high school wants to go to college and go to like high art for music and stuff and they they don't get it because they're deaf and stuff but it's like a really good movie but the the actress who plays the lead in that movie is just like just left me on the floor she was so good um and because she was singing she learned sign language and she just does incredible acting in it her name is uh amelia jones i believe Mm-hmm. She's I think she's on like some popular Netflix show or something. I haven't seen her in anything else prior, but I thought 
she was really, really good. Um, and I think she could slot in to one of the other two characters, Bonnie or uh, Rochelle. Um, either one. I mean, neither of those two are particularly... I think she could do the, the heel turn of like being like normal looking girl with the the uh, burns to like, oh, wow, she's hot now. Um, <laughs> like they could do that. And, and, yeah, they, they slapped on the lipstick. So I, I think that she could do that translation i don't want to pick another person from euphoria but i'm trying i'm just we're old now and i'm trying to think of who are young people that we could put in well, for either so rochelle that, or bonnie that was that was my struggle when you were asking me about you're like well these two picks are kind of old and i was like i get that and i was like but i haven't seen enough stuff with young like younger women than that like in it to be able to really pull from so it's like most of my knowledge base from what I was pulling from is like stuff, you know, I've seen like in the past, like yeah. four or five years. We can't years, just like... take the whole cast of Euphoria and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and put them back in there. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe like the, uh, I don't know, you watch uh, Cobra Kai? <laughs> like the, uh, uh, okay i have seen cobra kai yeah uh what uh, about like that uh the the chick who's like the girl in the cobra kai clan that's like, <laughs> you know like the bully girl like <laughs> maybe her boy. i don't know I, I don't know that many young people in today's world my pick is amelia jones from coda she could play either of the other two characters i don't care i was like fun. the girl are you talking about um larusso's daughter no, the no, she's terrible. The other, give me the other. Girl. <laughs> no, no, she's terrible. No, give me the other girl. The girl that's actually like physically good at stunts and not a whiny little baby. I, I, I'm not a fan of the Larusso children in general on Cobra Kai, but that's uh for another discussion on another podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, what else is out there that's like young people whatever man whatever we could we could slot in emma roberts right she could pull in uh, uh she could look younger i don't know man i don't know yeah or CGI or, or screw it we will maybe we can take multiple people from euphoria or i mean you you're talking river I f- aren't the riverdale people like really old too for like high schoolers like <laughs> I can't believe those guys are still making that show. I feel bad for those actors. <laughs> I think I saw a tweet this week that they're like going to have magic or something now. It's like, holy cow. I don't know anything about that show as proclaimed, but uh, it sounds extreme. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm down for yeah KJ Appa. I, I feel like I've seen him in something. I know what he's known for, but I, uh, he makes a lot of bad like direct to you know netflix movies and stuff like that um or what yeah, there you go like what about like uh um stranger things um the the oh uh, uh millie brown yeah millie bobby brown right like she's famous and young i mean she could that's play, true she could play uh one of those characters as well she yeah, she could be she could be a good Bonnie, like play the quiet. She could role, be Bonnie, the and then we'll put my girl Amelia as Rochelle, and then we have um, Zendaya as Sarah, and uh, our our crazed hammy girl Mickey playing Nancy. And then we need to get the original actress who played uh, Bonnie and have her as the shopkeeper. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I would love that. And then you're keeping it in the scream connections constantly. Yeah. Um, Yes, I love that. 
who could play Brecken Meyer, the little dick who's like uh, Chris's friend? <laughs> uh, oh man. Um, I was trying to think of like a little short, like cocky dick kid. I can't think of anyone Man. off the top We're of my old. head. Who we I don't know have. young yeah. people yeah. anymore. Oh, I, I thought of another good option for like the girls who's like super famous and young, um, but enough to where we could slot them in there. What about like uh, Olivia Rodrigo? Like she'd be she'd pull in uh, an audience. She could slot into one of those characters as well. I don't know who we could spend all day going back and forth on like who like potential young people who are famous today, but I think she'd be good too if we wanted to get rid of one of our other picks and slot her in there. Um, for the, uh, the dick kid friend, it could be what's his, the dude who played from Spider-Man. Was it dash or, or the guy who plays kid? flash flash Thompson? Flash. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. The guy yeah. from like grand Budapest hotel. I'd like that. Yeah. yeah. I get, I'll take it. Let's go with that <laughs> route. Um, so yeah, I think we've got a solid movie that would probably do better than the cat or, or uh, the craft legacy uh, released <laughs> during the pandemic. So there you go, Jason Blum. That's where you you messed up. You need to go after this uh, hot young talent that's um, you know going to bring in the big bucks and also maybe you know wait until people can go to an actual theater to see these movies. Um, so there you go. Overall, we revisited the craft. Um, Justin's nostalgia goggles were not destroyed. He still enjoys the movie. Decided it's something that uh, maybe one day in the future you'll catch and watch like five years from now. Have a good time. Enjoy the nostalgia. Yep, once the uh, the third craft movie comes out, I'll have to watch the entire trilogy. <laughs> there you go. I'll wait for that then. Yeah, <laughs> I'll wait for that. Uh, Give me something to look forward to, and then I'll put in the work to watch the the alleged sequel. I am curious to see how it connects, but the trailer does show that it uh, has something to do with Nancy in some way. I bet she plays a big part of like the third act or something for a little bit of time. Might be interesting to see one day. Maybe I'll scrub through it just to see what happens there. Or I'll just scrub through the whole movie and Nancy never shows up, and I'll be like, okay, I didn't need to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh thank you for doing this with me hopefully it doesn't require me doing too many edits uh I, but uh it, it started flowing pretty well um i think after a couple of hiccups in the first five minutes but uh i appreciate having you on and uh you know giving me a a decent uh you know guinea pig if you will for what this podcast can be and how it can further develop um i hope it was a good experience for you um, it was. What do you have to pimp? Tell us a little bit about uh, your projects. Yeah. So uh, if you enjoy listening to both Tanner and I, uh, there's plenty of episodes of the Nothing to Play podcast over on Spotify or YouTube or whatever streaming service you use to listen to your podcast where it's a video game podcast, talk about movies, and it's kind of free form, talk about pretty much whatever and uh hopefully we should have a new episode coming soon once matt has seen the batman i plan on <laughs> having tanner himself along with uh the usual suspects troy and brandon on 
and uh, we're going to do a deep dive on the Batman. And uh, that's a monthly podcast. And then I also do a weekly podcast that I co-host called That Pixel Life, which is more video game oriented. But we also talk about uh, movies and like TV shows and stuff towards the end. Looking forward to Moon Knight, uh, which is coming out here soon. So there's going to be lots of spoiler talk on that on the show as well. Goody, goody. Can't wait to participate in some uh, talks about the bat and uh, listening to more from that pixel life, especially once Moon Knight kicks off here. It'll be fun. Uh, but a joy as always. Can't wait till we get on the mic again here soon. Um, and then we'll go from there. But thank you for providing an excellent jumping ground for us and letting me watch the craft and talk about it with you. <laughs> You got it, you know. I'm always I'm always down. Like I said, dude, I'm round to come back. Like, if you don't know, one of the the other, it was a coin toss between The Craft and uh, the other movie was Halloween H2O, um, <laughs> which ultimately I told Tanner I thought The Craft would be better since it was more a one-off movie, which Halloween H2O kind of is too, but it also kind of requires some knowledge of the Halloween franchise, I feel like, before diving into it. So I figured that one wasn't as good as the craft but i also hold halloween h2o in high regards for one of my favorite movies on vhs <laughs> that i used to watch all well, the time don't watch it don't watch it save it i will i think that one after watching the trailer for it i think that one would be a fantastic <laughs> thing to dive into as well um so thank you all uh all uh five of you out there today uh maybe that's uh wishful thinking that there are five of you uh thank you for checking out this uh very first deep dive into nostalgia goggles here on the really refreshing film podcast and i'll see you again soon